You're listening to Now You've Seen It, the podcast that endeavors to fill the holes in your essential movie viewing. Here's your host, Gregor Sprague. Hello and welcome to Now You've Seen It, the show where we bring on a guest who has not seen a movie that probably they should have. Uh, We'll get into that part in a second after I introduce everyone who is here. Uh, First and foremost, since I'm the host and I'm the most egotistical, I am Gregor Sprague, joined this week by dan serwin i think i got that right even though i recorded one last week yeah with you and uh alice lauren um who are my panelists and our very very special guest is jp Vieira of the junk foodies podcast uh how's everyone doing (laughs) (laughs) everyone talk at once um yeah so uh jp will dive right into it um you picked the jerk for the movie or you answered our call and who hasn't seen the jerk um why haven't you seen it <laughs> uh you know i guess i just never had the opportunity to like i i didn't know anybody who owned the movie it, we didn't have cable growing up so it was never on tv and it was something i'd heard about numerous times as, as kind of a, a a comedy classic but just never got the chance to so when i saw that as a possibility i jumped right to it Fair enough. And I will point out here before we go into any further of this, we we do not mean harm. This isn't towards you. This is what I say before every podcast. But we do not mean harm or any ill will in the why haven't you seen this? It is more a curiosity because to be fair, I had not seen this before either. I had not heard I've I had heard of the jerk in passing, but um I blame that more on my time as being a 31-year-old. And it being made, released 10 years before I was born. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Human Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. All right. And the intro to the movie. This is, uh, we are back from all that. The intro, this is The Jerk. It is a 1979 American comedy film directed by Carl Reiner, who also appears in it, and is written by Steve Martin, Carl Gottlieb, and Michael Elias. Uh, This was some other little facts about it. This had a budget of $4 million, which back then, I know you just for inflation, it is more, but it made $100,000. Damn. Yeah, so let's jump right into it. We're just going to discuss this cold turkey um, with no real rhyme or reason. Uh, so, uh, JP, we'll start with you. We'll start with uh, guest first. Uh, what was your impression of the movie? Well, uh, further to what you were saying, I think another reason I hadn't seen this is it came out a year after I was born. So uh, it's of a generation of movies before I was even watching movies. So, you know, definitely it has... Uh, the look and the feel of an older movie. Beyond that, though, I kind of liked, I felt like I was watching like a twisted version of Citizen Kane, if that doesn't sound too pretentious. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, it's it's like if you, if Citizen Kane and I don't know, Airplane had a baby, it would be this movie. 
Um, so that that was really fun because it, it really turns that whole genre of the, the self-made man and who has it all and loses it all. It really kind of turned it on its head, had a lot of fun with those tropes. So uh, I found it was uh, enjoyable and, and I laughed a lot through it. So overall, I had a good time. Alice, Dan, you guys want to piggyback off of anything you said there? No, I was just gonna say I always I've I've never seen Citizen Kane, but I keep like mistaking it with like is it Beverly Hills Cop? Like I don't know. I'm so confused. I keep thinking yeah. Citizen Kane is like a comedy about a police officer too. So I, yeah, I'm out of my depth with that one. <laughs> um, I had, had honestly never considered the parallel to Citizen Kane and uh, Navin Johnson. I that really just. That got kind of struck me, but it's not wrong. Um, and like, look at his house, right, with the the swimming pools and the Grecian yeah. columns, and it's yeah, very. You know, I mean, it's not quite Xanadu, but it's. Close. <laughs> um, it's for me like my relationship with this movie goes back to probably younger than I should have been when I originally saw it because this uh, Carl Reiner specifically is one of my dad's favorite. Um, filmmakers and comedians and stuff like that so this was another uh one that i grew up watching and really honestly did not understand until recently how deeply problematic the root of the story actually is or for that matter uh steve martin's comedy act that it came from the you know it wasn't always easy for me i was born a poor black child no you weren't well, so I mean I that's actually... kind of cute. I guess, I mean that that part of it, I guess, is is kind of is kind of cute. I mean that's kind of how how comedy works. It's I mean obviously depends how far he took that that comedy set. You know, if you're a white man making making fun of, of black people, you know that can go eighty million ways. Uh, all of them pretty pretty wrong. And that's the this the the funny thing for me is like I remember loving this movie as a kid i remember thinking it is amazingly hilarious i mean the scenes at the gas station with mm at walsh who's another actor I, I quite appreciate but like that i just remember loving that when i was younger and the whole thing and the more like the older i get the more i watch it and the more we progress as a society the more i'm like oh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know steve like you're real funny but oh i don't know I think I think the part though that that you'd have to sort of separate it from because there's a lot of other things and this isn't this isn't white guy trying to color splain I don't know what the term would be yeah. um for it but you do sort of have to realize at the time what jokes were acceptable oh, I'm yeah, al- like- I'm I'm personally always of the mindset of comedy shouldn't be you know I mean, yes, a good joke is, you know, like, knock, knock, who's there, orange, who, you know, stuff like that. A good joke and a good comedian will make you think, you know, why are they say they making this joke? Yeah, it, it, comedy should be uncomfortable or make you uncomfortable. And what makes one generation uncomfortable doesn't necessarily make another generation uncomfortable. I mean, you know, I'm saying this is somebody whose favorite mo- favorite comedy is Blazing Saddles. So I'm no stranger to deeply problematic comedy. Um, it just feels like we, we definitely could not get something like this made today. And my appreciation of it, I think has been colored by where, how I've grown as a person of understanding. I think it's a valid point. And earlier I said, you know, I can definitely tell this is a movie from a different generation. Uh, I, I don't 
this being made today, um, you know, for better or for worse, a, a couple of things struck me. I, I think obviously the race stuff is is a little bit, you know, to, getting right up to the line of maybe, maybe being uncomfortable. Um, I I thought it was in, in good spirit though, so it, it didn't really make me uncomfortable, even though I thought that wouldn't be made today. Uh, and then funny enough, you mentioned the gas station scene. I thought that scene doesn't get put into a movie nowadays after the whole it DC really thing, yeah. right? Yeah, and you can't well, play a spree shooter no. or a laugh anymore. No, yeah, no, there's, and so here I would I would tell you this part minus the the gas station scene. This movie sort of has been remade, and people loved it. It was called Elf because think about it; it's that same opening yeah. concept. Huh, you have yeah. you have a guy who's you have you have a person that has been adopted out into a whole other believing he's he is this other. He is like them, even though he, he is like them. Physically, isn't. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know. Shit, I've never it, considered that. I just came up with it. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. This is the same premise oh, Gregor, to Elf. Good. Yeah, because I mean, you, you think about it, he grows up. You know, he probably grew up thinking he's just really, really light skinned black. Yeah. You know, well, especially if he was. He goes, you mean my skin's gonna stay this way? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's. You know, this isn't me justifying the movie, but it's like, hey, this could be done. It's just people would have to get who would have to stop, look at what the movie is. This isn't a Tropic Thunder. We're going to cast Robert Downey Jr. to play an actor who's wanting to go method in here, which, you know, I even allow that because if you look at what they're doing, it's not making fun of African-Americans. It's making fun of method actors. Yeah, and, it, it, and that that is on a level much more excusable, but it's not, you know, perception, right? We're always fighting public perception, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's I think that's probably one of the things because, like, in doing a little bit of light research about this, I kept seeing like posts from the last couple of years that were just like, you know, Steve Martin, great at this, great at that, but don't see, don't watch the jerk. It sucks. It's problematic, and yeah. it's just like not exactly wrong, but damn it, it's still funny. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's, if you think about it, there's a lot of movies that are like that. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, the Vacation series, national, uh, actually, basically, probably a lot of the National Lampoon movies are, mm -hmm. are like that. Where I look at, I always look at this, and I th think I talked about this with you, Dan, on the, during the, uh, when we talked about uh, Mad Max, as a cheap plug to another episode that hopefully comes out before <laughs> this one. In Korea. You have, I, I always, I always separate myself and my beliefs from the movie you know where i might think like oh this is wrong and all this and i wouldn't do that well i am not navin uh navin johns i'm gregor sprague dude who lives in michigan and, and all that um but it's that like okay will this make me laugh yes why is this making me laugh and all that and it's like and so i always i don't know maybe i'm just being arrogant or whatever you want to say but you know i really enjoyed the movie at first i was like i had that I don't want to say shock, but I'm like, it was the, the initial thing of like, I don't think this would be made today. And then I had to stop and think about it. Well, 10 years ago, it parts of it were remade. And that, and that literally just came to me of Elf. And it's like, if we're going to, if we're going to allow that, you know, allow Will Ferrell to play, you know, to imagine that he is an elf and, you know, move to the big city to find his real dad. Yeah. You kind of get to tell a version of the same story without the problematic because elf isn't a group 
to which any living human being belongs. Yeah, but you know, I so I would say that, and and I I don't want to white swing like there is nothing problematic about this, and and I'm sure you know as we're going through this movie, I know there were some jokes made with like 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 Asian practically not not really characters that don't show up very much, but um but but Asian characters in this. Um, that were that were problematic, but I think even just just even starting from top of the movie, you know, kind of in in the same way that you know Elf didn't revel in the in the Elf culture, <laughs> so to speak. I think that I mean there, there were even kind of jokes at um, Naven's expense of like you know he's the one that he's the, the white guy who doesn't have any rhythm. Obviously he's he stands out, so it was kind of more more at his expense there. So, you know, I, I think at, at least as we're starting out for problematic stuff, for things that maybe we couldn't necessarily do today, um, maybe it wouldn't be like that much of like, a, I guess, stereotypical country black family. Maybe it would be like a rich black family. I mean, maybe if we were going to remake this today, but, you know, as for problematic stuff throughout, I, I don't I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, I think honestly, if you did it, I could see if you were to remake this, I could see this like a fresh being, prince kind of family. Yeah, yeah, I could see this being made either being flipped and like I, I could definitely see like a Kevin Hart or am I not white? <laughs> well, well, not necessarily that, but him writing it, you know, get Kevin Hart and um, you know, some other writers in there to where it's like I, I'm trying to think of how of how you would beat this bef- to without having people going, ah, this is racist and, you know, raging over a product that hasn't come out yet. It's very much like, you know, I, I mentioned Blazing Saddles earlier. It's, you know, Blazing Saddles for all of its, which does have some deeply problematic shit, uh, mm-hmm. was written in part by uh, Richard Pryor, you know, and it it treats as poorly as it treats race, it treats race honestly. And you know rarely is just like rarely is the punchline of the joke oh look a black guy unless the punchline is being delivered by a character that you you learn is not a good person yeah. you know and and it's that sort of thoughtfulness and it just feels like this the the punchline of this being you know i was a black child in mississippi being conceived of and written by a white man just feels difficult. But again, like I said, and I've sort of steered the conversation toward this movie's still hilarious, you know, yeah. even, even through the trouble, like I, um, hilarious might be a lot, but I mean, JP as as the, the person who's meant to be the real fresh face to this, what, what do you think about just the comedy disregarding the troubles? You know, I, I think it had some real laugh out loud moments and, and not, not all of them were, you know, complete five star winners every time, but even some of the problematic stuff, like the the scene at the end when he's got those kind of mafioso guys and, and they're using phrases like eggplant and, and he doesn't understand that they're using uh, you know racial epithets. And then when they actually come out and say it, his anger, I mean, it's like you kind of cringe because here they're using that word and then he uses that word and said, I'm that. But I also laughed just at the ridiculousness of it. And, and also you could tell they were, the joke wasn't at the expense of, um, you know, minorities, but it was at the expense of uh, racists, basically, because Steve Martin got so angry and, and was so righteous with his anger. I also liked that this is getting away from your question, but at the end, after he blew it all, that um, his adopted family 
that they were wise and uh, prudent and had saved their money and they were doing really well. Uh, kind of funny that they didn't upgrade to a mansion. They just upgraded to a larger kind of shack. But Hey, man, um, you like what you like. <laughs> exactly. It's what you're used to, right? But that they allowed them that win. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the the spirit, you know, was in the right place. And, and for the time, you could probably get away with those jokes in a way that you can't now. Um, setting all that stuff aside, I thought there was some some really funny stuff. And it, it didn't kill me laughing the entire time. But I laughed out loud more than a couple of times. It kind of had a very, um, I keep quoting other movies here, but kind of a dumb and dumber feel uh, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, ridiculous how idiotic this guy is and, and, and some of the people around him. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Dumb and Dumber is hilarious. So that part of my, uh, you know, my humor center was tickled. Yeah, Steve um, Martin could not say the N-word now, unless mm. whoever it was that said before that unless you're a morally reprehensible character like Leonardo DiCaprio and Django, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is, well, that, then you can say it. So well, but even, even, even that caught a lot of flack in the media. Yeah, of course. Like, oh, yeah. That caught a lot of flack because, again, it was written by uh, written by a white person. Basically took yeah. Sam Jackson coming out and saying, like, this isn't abnormal. This is a Tuesday for us uh, before people finally were just like they kind of backed off on it and understood that it's it's yeah. all, you know, in the sense of the character. But it, it's interesting that uh, JP, that you'd mentioned Dumb and Dumber because um, the BBC mentioned in a review many years later that it feels like a, a watered down version of the Farrelly brothers movie. Mm. And it, it feels like this, I think this and several films like it from the same era probably opened a lot of doors for what you could pull off with, uh, you know, the sort of the innocent idiot character. Well, yeah. this, is, this is baby Forrest Gump. Like, let's just say <laughs> how it is, you know? <laughs> Well, it's that it's it's a lot of other things, you know. It's I don't know if um, if anybody's overly familiar, and I know it's mentioned on the Wikipedia page as well. But um, the idiot from Fyodor Dostoevsky uh, is a very it's a similar type of story where basically you have a character who's uh, so dumb and so simple and so just like earnestly simple. You know, it's the I keep coming back to Blazing Saddles. It's the line, you know, they're good people salt of the earth you know morons yeah exactly and it's just like those that that sort of character like and that's the thing i think that works really well for this is like naven's so earnest throughout the entire movie like you know he earnestly names that dog shithead (laughs) you know he he earnestly wants to just fix the glasses you know he earnestly wants to be in the phone book and have his name in print you know, it's so like, and you know, there's so much of that we can identify with, right? Like, I don't, I don't know about all of you guys, but I, I don't actually, I don't know how old Alice is. I do know how old Gregor and JP are, but like, we're all millennials ish. JP, you're a little on the upper end of that. Uh, we, Ouch. <laughs> fair, fair statement, given how old he said he was when this and movie argument. came out, I think. But my point is, like, we, we all can remember how cool it was to see your name printed in something that was distributed, right? Like, yeah, that's that's a that's a human thing. Right? It's like, oh, I exist provably. Yeah, it's I mean, it, you break it down. I mean, there's that's sort of how it felt like a lot of people really not that you made it, but that you were here. And it, it even nowadays you look at you look at people with like social media, you know, TikTok, Byte, all those little, you know, like 
vine from four years ago. Yeah. Everyone wanted to become, you know, famous for this thing. And, it, and it, the words have just changed. It's now being an influencer. Well, to be an influencer, you have to be noticed. You and, have to uh, have so, some amount of influence. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you're, you're doing this thing. Like the new one is the invisible string thing. You know, like it's really just a way for you to slap someone in the head. Yeah. And, and find it funny. Oh my goodness. I'm so <laughs> TikTok. And like, I even have aged out of that, but I'm, ugh, these, these trends, these little, you know, bite sized things. And it can just yep. be about, you know, how attractive you are. I mean, there is a 15 year old dancer who has almost a billion Instagram followers. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. It's so and, silly. And it's, yeah. But, and you, but if you break it down to the most simplest terms, you know, if you if you're looking at 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 Naven Johnson's story art, it was very okay. Where's I'm at point A. What's point B? How do I get there? Well, Dude, to because, be someone, because... you have to have your name. You know, people have to be able to see your name and get it out there. Mm-hmm. What's a better way to do it than the phone book? Yeah, because we were talking about influencers when you stuttered on when you look at at Naven Johnson's. I thought you were going to say when you look at at Naven <laughs> oh, Johnson. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah, at Naven Johnson. Yeah, I remember I was reading something about Forrest Gump recently, not to like take this a whole different direction, but just that like, you know, Forrest Gump and the movie was famous in so many different pockets. And like, if there was social media, like we would have known this guy, you know, this guy we would have known the whole story. No one could have said, oh, now you're this. Now you've become this. Now you've become this. You know, we know so much about about people now. And also I will point out, there is a Naven Johnson Twitter. There's only there's only three posts. Um, but it's uh, someone created it in 2008. Um, and then they quit. They quit posting on uh, in 2011. And it's three um, posts. <laughs> yep, three posts only. One in March 20 or March 19th, 20 or 2008. Uh, trying to learn the difference between shit and Shinola. <laughs> oh yeah um, see that was and, one that didn't stand up because i'm like is that some old 70s reference that i <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess I, I guess shinola would be a little uh would be a little hard hard to get there yeah um uh, but I, I just had to look that up and be called there has to be a navin johnson twitter account yeah that's <laughs> really funny that somebody's <laughs> first tweet was <laughs> that's uh see now i kind of wish they'd committed to that but because yeah yeah but oh and especially committed to it not the like the last post it's talking about the 2012 elections or whatever um but anyways i want to hit on something real quick that you guys mentioned about with uh with with naven sending the money back to his parent and Mm -hmm. and then the fact that you know with they're like oh we upgraded the house i really enjoyed that part not like the oh haha it's funny to see them there's still it's like that style it's because it's one it's what they were comfortable with and it, it tells me more that you know if he's sending if he kept sending them as much money as he was sending them, it's not then that they that they blew it all. It's that the father upgraded their means to where they could be comfortable, not wealthy, but comfortable. Oh. And all, that's how I look at it, in all honesty. You know, because then because it's like, well, if he gets here, you're really not getting into this. You know, with him with uh, Naven really learning a lesson of oh, in the end, he still was rich, but you know it was. It was now his daddy's money that he that his daddy invested that he gave him. Was he still sending millions to his family? Was something I was thinking about 
as well. Like he kind of gave like a portion sort of of each thing. So yeah. sometimes it's 30 cents, sometimes it's two mil, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like here, I just got, you know, $5 million for the, what was the Opti Grabber? The, yes. the, the name of the invention the that. Opti Grab. Yeah, the Opti Grab, which, in all honesty, if, I, I mean, I would wear something like that if it didn't cause cross eyedness. Yeah, if it, if it hadn't caused nine million people to become cross-eyed. Yes, including uh, Carl Reiner. Yeah, Carl Reiner, film director Carl Reiner. <laughs> in my favorite meta, that's one of my favorite meta jokes in yeah. any comedy is that the director of the film appears as the director of a film. That's big, seeing as how my favorite meta thing like that is from Spaceballs. With the wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. So when is this? When is this? That's that's now. Okay, well, when will it now be then? Well, it's now. You just missed Soon. it. <laughs> when will then be now? <laughs> yeah. Soon. It's, I mean, but that that's sort of like, I, as I mentioned, I, I was raised on a diet of Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner specifically, and just the sheer fact that they're both still alive is, is an absolute blessing. I get to experience all the time. Hilarious. Truly hilarious individual. And really, I think, does a great job. And boy, can he pull a cross-eyed face pretty well? <laughs> that seems uncomfortable because I know what that must feel like. Yeah. And I will point out Carl Reiner, 97. Wow, yeah. 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 He's he's been he's been uh he's been chucking for a while. I think his first uh his first film credit is as an actor is nineteen fifty nine. Well, my my friend that I was watching this with was like, has Steve Martin ever been young? Because he was like, not that this is old, but like 34, uh-huh. you know, in this movie, has he ever been young? Like, I don't no, know. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong because I had, I was looking at the thing, the bio for IMDb because for all the movies I keep, I have open IMDb and I look at their trivia section and then I look at Wikipedia because usually Wikipedia up at the top, it has, you know, the budget and all that stuff. And it said a you know, Navin Johnson was 18. I'm like, how the hell is he 18 with that much salt and pepper? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I thought, yeah, <laughs> that, it was just as much of a joke as him being a really, really light skinned black guy. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he apparently started going gray in his teens, which, which I hear, I hear, a, yeah, I hear a lot of people that happens too. And I'm like, well, I shouldn't be judging as my uh, hairline tries to run away from my face as quickly as possible. It's not that your hairline's running away from your face, it's that you're too tall for your hair. <laughs> I've been too tall for my hair since the sixth grade, and it hasn't been you know, you're going back that quick. <laughs> your brain's just expanding. <laughs> I, like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So I mean let's sort of jump in a little bit to uh to cast the remake. Because I do think there, there's a question first off that that we sort of asked of do do we think this could be made, and it's even asked like I saw it in, in the Wikipedia page, uh, in the production section that when he uh, uh when uh, he, he was interviewed through for or for the Hollywood Reporter, Steve Martin actually said that where he hadn't seen the movie in a while, you know this was you know back in the around the time i think of when uh, elf came out so it was like the 2000s but it was still at that heightened you know the heightened racial sensitivity and he hadn't seen the movie in a while but he he remembers everyone being treated with such respect throughout the film process so i mean i'm gonna you know as long as it's treated right how uh, the movie's treated right who could you see and i'll i'll do this i'll expand a little bit 
on so we'll do Navin and uh, Mary, um, you know, so the Navin and his essentially his love love interest, and then uh, we'll do his uh, his family. Um, so we, you know, we can do a couple people from the family. So I'll, I'll let you if you, if anyone has anyone anyone that they want to mention out right now, we can sort of do that. But I'll give you guys a little bit to think about that. So I I have an immediate idea for Navin. Okay. Um, but I'm kind of stuffed on anything else. And my idea for uh, Navin is John Mulaney. Ooh. I could see that. Yeah, I could. Yep. I could see that because he, not to call him a modern day Steve Martin, but I see a lot of the characteristics in his comedy style. He tells like, a good joke in the same style and is very uh, openly self-deprecating. Yes. But not in like a, oh, don't I suck way, but more in just like a, you know, hey, this i did this thing isn't that crazy kind of way which was very early career steve martin and the kind of thing that fed this plus he is i think exactly the kind of person based on you know the character he is in his stand-up at least that you could believe being this sort of you know idiot savant kind of like so perfectly innocent that he doesn't understand that someone's trying to shoot him yeah, but I I still see him as too much of like a polished intellectual. Like I can't see him being a dummy in a sense. I mean, yeah, it is an idiot savant thing, but I just I can't see him being simple and and dumb. He just seems like a very like intellectual person, even if he's talking about the cocaine that he did in his youth. You know, I don't know. I mean, but have have you seen like have you seen the way Steve Martin used to comport himself in his stand up? Same deal, full suit well done oh, hair yeah. and it was just a wacky character and it's you know that because that was the way all stand-up comedians were back then you know everybody still wore a nice suit because you were performing yeah. right and so you know Mulaney is just the next in a, a long line of that now you have to beat the perception but you also had to beat the perception in 1979 because a lot of people knew who steve martin was and this was a new thing you know it's it's unfortunate but i I think he'd be able to do it. And I think probably for every person like yourself who would just be able to see the John Mulaney we see in stand-up, we could probably get people to con- like, no, it's the character. I, I think, I hope. But how I, would the I idea would of, how would the idea of the, like the idiot savant in a movie, and we've had a lot of them. Um, how would that kind of change, you know, especially in, in the culture that we're in today, we couldn't really, you know, portraying someone with like a, or maybe we'll assume mental challenges like that, like Forrest Gump, um, like Jim Carrey probably, and some of his roles is really wacky. Is kind of like the first thought that I had, but he's a bit old for this right now, probably. Mm-hmm. But you know, just portraying someone with like like mental challenge, you know, where where are we today with that? If we're going to make a movie with that today, even I mean, even Elf, probably, probably most. Mm-hmm recently yeah probably most most recently was he was allowed to be an idiot well Farrell's always allowed to be an idiot um <laughs> well i think how, that's how the challenge today? right is you have to like we're gonna let's let's try to play this game assuming that we've figured out how to walk that tightrope yeah right like because yeah. it absolutely is you're 100 percent correct you could fall on one side or the other of that real easily and, yeah, we're, you know, let's... we're making fun of someone with a disability is, you know, not to yeah. go super hard on it, but like, I, yeah, I don't, cause I don't think like I, I had that at first, that thought at first of, 
oh, he has, you know, he's on the spectrum or he has some sort of learning disability. But I think it's a little bit more of in the time period it's set. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just maybe a lot of it was the resources weren't there. It's yeah, just oh, actual of ignorance. Yeah. 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 So I, like, and I mean, like Tropic Thunder, Simple Jack, like that was a whole. <laughs> show, well, that's you know? <laughs> that that's that was, but that's the thing, right? Is we have to it find. Was, it was a joke about that. Yeah. Yeah. We have to find some place between that, right? Like you mm-hmm. don't pull it all the way to the right or all the way to the left. You you got to find some some middle ground. And assuming we can find some middle ground for that, I think that some you know somebody like a John Mulaney, I think could mm-hmm. could because the other thing is you have to get somebody who can carry the vehicle. Right. Yeah. Like this is this is a lot. I mean, how many how many of these scenes are just Naven and someone who, for lack of a better term, is like an NPC? Yeah, who's playing the straight man? Yeah, yeah. You need you need somebody who can carry that. And there are you know there are Hollywood actors and actresses who can't pull that off. Yeah. You know, people with people with decades long careers who aren't strong enough as either comedic talent or talent in general to carry an entire film like this. And I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like, especially because, you know, and maybe, maybe I'm making too much out of the fact that he's a writer and a stand up the same way that Steve Martin was, but, you know, John Mulaney, I think has the, you, you gotta have a writer's sort of eye for it. And then I can see the naivete in him as well, actually, mm-hmm. now that I really think about it. Yeah. But I'm completely stuck for who, then we throw in as the leading lady like that's sort of where so while age and era so while you were talking about that i immediately thought of it's weird like of who the mom would be okay and then i was working towards who the dad would be Mm -hmm. um so i'm gonna throw uh, jp is there anyone anything anyone else that you could see that possibly plays um you know substituting john mulaney oh man it's that's it's tough for me like i'm racking my brain here trying to think of who's someone who is good at comedy which is its own skill is good at physical comedy and you know instantly the first thing i that comes to mind is like a jim carrey or jeff daniels but i know that's because of dumb and dumber yeah um yeah i'll put it to you this way want to go yeah i'll put it to you this way you i would even say you can open it up you don't have to do a white man you know yeah you could, you could do because we could we could in theory flip this yeah yeah you could you could have it be i mean any ethnicity of family with any ethnicity of adopted son um, as long as you get the fish out of water component it doesn't fish out of water component absolutely and and i guess when i think fish out of water i think of someone who always seems kind of uncomfortable in his own skin and that's uh michael sarah from arrested development yeah i could see that yeah Right age for it too. Yeah. Now I don't know if he has the. I've never seen him do the broad like Jim Carrey, Steve Martin um, type of kind of showboating uh, physical comedy. But you know, if he had it in him, I could see him playing that kind of role. Uh, assuming you know that you could get it made or 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 reframe the story in a way that maybe wouldn't make a whole bunch of people mad. Now, in terms of of females. Um, you know, Bernadette Peters, now I don't know how she was considered at the time, but I have an impression of her as being like a very classic, uh, you know, Broadway um, a triple threat actress. And so I think maybe yeah. the, the joke on that a little bit was they they pulled in this person who is seen as kind of refined and, and, and she's playing the straight man. 
Um, she was, yeah, she, she was, that part was written for her. Oh, um, interesting. Yes, that. Steve Martin and her were a thing uh, at that time. Yeah. Um, so he wrote the part, you know, he wrote that part for her. Mm. So that yeah. part, I don't think we would necessarily need to have that be an affecting part of our remake casting. Like, okay, so if we're doing Michael's or not uh, Michael Sarah, who is he currently with? <laughs> <laughs> Well, a, an actress who came to mind that I thought it might be kind of funny, and I don't know that she's done a, a lot of comedy, but I thought it might be kind of funny because I associate with her being a little more on the serious side and, and um, kind of outspoken and, and maybe not goofy is Emma Watson um, as the, the female. I thought that could be kind of a, a funny direction to go in. Interesting. Yeah, I could. That's tricky. That's, that's interesting. That's for me, that's a little trickier if we're going John Mulaney. And it's just me personally, because it sort of falls under, um, like, cause I, I, t- I tend to look at how, how they, how they look age wise. Mm-hmm. And Emma Watson, I mean, she's, you know, granted, she's 29. She still looks young. It looks like there would be, it would work with the age difference wise because he's like 40 but it doesn't matter <laughs> well, well no no more like with how he looks because he's still yeah like he, he it it would depend because it's it's he it almost doesn't work for me because he almost looks like he would be too old mm. and uh i mean i i could see that in all honesty i could see emma watson i'm gonna throw out because i have two others that i might want to throw throw out play around with here sounded weird but you know as as choices but I want to do the uh, the mother and the father, and this is banking off of the John Mulaney uh, playing Navin's uh, Johnson. Okay. Um, have any has any of you guys or have any of you guys seen uh, the Carmichael show on NBC a few years ago? Oh, no. no. Um, so, but I'm picturing an actor. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, in there because this is where I, I went. I'm like, okay, who I knew who where she was at, so I had to go, you know, working around from there. Um, but Loretta Devine, yes, is who I have for 100%. the mother. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I had her because she was, you know, where I had seen her that I most remembered was the Carmichael show where she played, uh, Gerard Carmichael's mother on there. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to sort of work, and I'm like, okay, well, who was the dad in there? And I'm like, David Allen Greer. I don't really, I mean, possibly, but that's not who my first choice would be. No offense, David Allen Greer. Um, but friend of the podcast, David Allen Greer. Yeah, yeah, close personal friend. I mean, we have breakfast every Saturday. Um, you know, he's probably he's probably sitting there listening, like, man, you're gonna give me this. It's like, no, it's not that. It's just like the person that I have cast in the father role, Andre Brower. (laughs) So Andre Brower, uh, the uh, he plays uh the police the police chief from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, you know, Ray, you know, Raymond Holt. Yeah, I could see that. In He's there. an incredibly talented performer as well. Yes, and and he both of them can play the straight person in the beginning and then in the end. You know, if we're if we're doing shot for shot remake, well, roughly shot for shot remake, but you know, same premise. We know with, you know, with our Navin Johnson being at home, mm-hmm. they could play the straight to the buffoonery that Navin Johnson has. I kind of like the idea of Andre Brower. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's because I I have not watched a ton of Brooklyn Nine Nine, but I, every episode of it I've watched, I absolutely love him in. Um, he, he was in a couple episodes of one of my favorite shows, House. Uh, yep. And he did a really good job there. He he has a gravitas to him, um, and I mean I even remember him from Homicide: Life on the Street, which you know. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah, and I thought he did a really good job there. So like he he's a very uh, he has a gravitas to him, and I mean he's a Juilliard educated, uh, you know, performer. So you can't like, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. 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 There's there's an amount there. Um, also, I think I've landed on my uh, I think I've landed on my female lead. Okay, who's your female lead? I was lead? researching while you were doing that. I think I've landed on it. If we go either with a John Mulaney or a Michael Sarah type, which I think are both. There's arguments for both. I think this one can swing because she's in the middle of that. Anna Kendrick. Ah. I could yeah. see that. I could see that. Because especially, she's also, she's also an equivalent to a Bernadette Peters in that she is a state, you know, she was on Broadway. She's a talented singer, performer, everything else. Like, she has a lot of analog there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I don't know. This feels like a very SNL kind of movie like to me i was like is lauren michaels behind this like this is That's, like, well, this seems and, like a long sketch like i feel like you need to have a lot of those actors i think even for the naven johnson thing i i feel like even like kate mckinnon could lead this i could see her doing this oh, love the love McKinnon. interest could be a woman could be a guy um you know you could have the big brawny you know dude if you if you want or you could have another weirdo because i think bernadette peters to me was like yeah, this is this is a weirdo. Um, there are two weirdos <laughs> falling in love. So, so yeah, I mean, you can kind of go any way you want with that. Um, I mean, Kate McKinnon. I think if we if we gender swap this, Kate McKinnon as the lead, I think would be astounding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I think she could she can also play that very much um, dumb girl. Do- <laughs> well, not just the, I don't I don't think we'd want to angle it that way, but like yeah. sort of doe-eyed and very yeah. like you know like oh wow you know because she's she's done that on snl a couple of times and i think she's uh oh man that's see now now you've really got me going yeah snl i think a lot of snl cast my other thought was like pete davidson i don't know if i want to see him carry a movie i love him but i (laughs) i don't think i don't think he can do it i don't think he can carry a movie so i want to give i want to give my two pitches here because one of them actually i feel like both of them will tie in to uh, reasonings behind both of your picks there, Dan. Um, so again, with the whole SNL thing, and the re- I feel like the reason why this movie screams it is because this was during the his height in SNL. Yeah. Um, you know, so he was, and this is also I, I will point out his first starring role movie wise mm-hmm. was the jerk. Um, yeah. But to keep it a little bit in the SNL family, um, and, and this is going, which I mean, again, if we went with uh john mulaney former writer on snl you know wrote wrote the stefan sketches uh for weekend update um but i'm gonna go sort of in that same era even of snl nasim pedrad i could see i could see her playing it because she where she can do the funny she can also do the serious mm-hmm. um and then the other person Oh, there we boy, go. Was she, boy, was she terrible on Scream Queens, though. <laughs> Although that may have just been that season was terrible. But yeah, I'll go with that. But then the other person, um, and I'll, maybe I should just let it go. But Kristen Bell, uh, you know, 
the I may I mean, have to I may have to talk to the people that organized this podcast and get you removed for that. Day. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 hurt my soul. Mm. What of the Chris and Bell jo- uh, choice the or the fact go, that I... joke? <laughs> well, hey, hey, I, I've got to do this a joke like this for my next podcast that I talk about. So, so, so having having just recently finished The Good Place and yeah. having had having had an affection for Kristen Bell since about two thousand six when I discovered Veronica Mars, uh, I am with you, and I do not hate that suggestion. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, a lot of people don't don't until frozen hadn't thought of her as a singer mm-hmm. and all, but, but she, it was she's another one who got her start on broadway you know? yeah yeah and i will also point out michigan connection <laughs> i mean <laughs> yes 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 she's from detroit ish yes you know she's from the suburbs of detroit yeah. um, another guy who could probably play and has played the idiot before is her husband Dak shepherd and yep yeah. actor, but in idiocracy, like he played the dunce really well. He plays an idiot so well, I hate him. Like, <laughs> he yeah. plays it so well every time I see that he's in a movie, I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> like, guess I gotta, you know, whatever. Because it's just like he plays it really, 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 really well. But if you listen to his podcast, he's nothing like, like that. Yeah. 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 And and I will. I'm not. I, I, I swear, I'm not going to do this for everyone. But if you did that, it would be a double Michigan right there because he's also. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He is also from. <laughs> yes, but um, I could see him honestly very easily being in the Nave and Johnson, like you said there, JP. I want to touch on one other thing though, real quick. Let's let's gender flip the two main characters here. Let's mm-hmm. do Nave and Johnson as a girl. Um, Naveen. Yeah, Naveen Johnson. Uh, Nevaeh Johnson, however you would want to. Oh, Nevaeh! It's heaven spelled backwards. Nevaeh Johnson. <laughs> I have a I have a relative named Nevaeh, so <laughs> that's why I went to that. He- heaven spelled backwards. I don't remember how it's spelled exactly. Because yeah, that the, when I when somebody pointed that out to me once, yeah. I, a lot of things made sense. <laughs> I, w- I would have mentioned that though next time. It I'm there. I'm like, so what was the you know was it just this? But anyways. Besides the point, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the lazy choice here. I think you could do Kristen Bell for the the Navea uh, Naveen role uh, because she can do the comedy. I don't know if Dax could necessarily be the serious. Well, I mean, I know he can because of the TV show Parenthood. Mm-hmm. But if going off of there, if he could be the the straight person, I think he could play the straight man against against her. I don't know yeah. if he could play the straight man against like necessarily anybody, but I think he could against her. All right. So who would you? Yeah. So who who would you guys cast in the uh, gender flipped uh, Naveen role? The female part. Uh. Well, taking the the jerk role. The so. Uh, the female. Uh, Steve name. Martin's role, so, but so, as a female. Okay, so, so, so if it was Kate McKinnon, or I just had to look her up, uh, Vanessa Bayer, this would be a good starring vehicle for her. I think she could do that. Yeah. Maybe a young, a younger Amy Poehler. I hate to say it, because Amy, Amy Poehler is not old, but like... <laughs> older than this character, though. Like, yeah, older than this the... character, yeah. Like, she doesn't have to be 18, but yeah, Amy Poehler would be too old for this character, even though she'd be fantastic. And I will I will point out you say that, but a lot of our picks have been late twenties to late forties. 
yeah, for, yeah, I know. And and I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, I do like that. I mean, I I feel like you know, it would be a cheat, but it's a good cheat to pull from, you know, the SNL, uh, women. Because it felt to us, and I mean, I mean, even thinking of people for like the family, although it would be weird because it would still be like white white family, like Molly Shannon or something. Well, like but see, mom, you but... could do that. You could do that too. You know, you could play. You could pull white. You know, white family, but black kid. Different, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If we had black kid. Yeah, that would be. What about Anna Ferris? I could see that. I uh, yeah, that'd be a good one. That's. That's not a bad suggestion. Really underrated comedic actress. Uh, yeah, I think somebody who has uh, definitely been cast more for her looks than her ability as a comedian for many years now. And She's also, I, I, and I, w- I will point out, looking at the IMDb things, one of the things I'm sure shocked is that the production companies, we don't have a Broadway video, or I'm assuming the uh, precursors to Broadway video as a producer, because mm-hmm. it feels so SNL-influenced. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's that is interesting the more I think about it actually. Broadway video being for those who do not know, Lord Michael's production company who is the he- the head honcho of SNL. It's interesting. Cuz like it it literally feels like you could because archetypally this is a very simple story, right? Mm-hmm. You have a fish out of water idiot savant type, you know, gets it all loses it all like this is a very archetypal story it almost feels like if you issue everything else and just leave that you could literally put any any person in the lead and then whoever they are you get a you create a fish out of water situation by casting their parents and then you give them a love interest and it doesn't it like it doesn't need to be anything like none of this is set in stone right as long as they're capable of carrying the vehicle then love interest is capable of being the straight character to their uh comic relief and the parents are able to be sort of darkly funny at points that's all you need and we could go i mean we have gone in the last 15 minutes in any number of different directions yeah with that and i i think that's that is actually just like thinking about it that way is making me appreciate, I think, this film even more because yeah. it, it is an archetypal story. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's really where a lot of, I mean, to use the quote, there are no new ideas. Yeah. Because now I'm thinking about like who would be a good, like for the sexy circus performer, I forgot her name. But depending where you want to stay in that one, I'm like looking at like Sherry O'Terry because I know it's be funny, like older woman. Yeah. Well, again, I think it's to, it's to the same point, right? Marco like, Robbie, maybe not as an older woman. I I feel like also um... I could see Margot Robbie because mm-hmm. even though even though like if we went the uh, the cougar uh, route, <laughs> the, well, well, no, the John Mulaney or or even Michael Sarah. In the lead, mm-hmm. Michael Sarah's little would be smaller, so it would defeat the purpose I'm making here. You know, if you were to do, uh, you know, Margot Robbie, even though she would be, you know, physically smaller, I think, than uh, John Mulaney. Mm-hmm. And granted, this is coming from after seeing uh, Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would have so- that presence to ma- uh, to just, you know, be bigger. Well, even though she's she, not she's a very big personality and i think that's what 
that's kind of what you need to get out of that role, right? It's like you need to get a very big personality, somebody who's going to be. I think that's probably the role that suffers the most if we gender flip the, uh, if we gender flip the um, lead, only because unless we gender flip and make it a uh, a non heterosexual partnership, mm-hmm. because you're you're then looking for a uh, you know sort of a big kind of scary burly dude circus performer jason momoa <laughs> i mean jason momoa okay jason momoa i could see in that role if we're doing it straight up with those three characters where we would need to gender flip them mm-hmm. well especially theory- have you seen have any of you guys seen um him in the bad batch like that feels very like intimidatingly like i mean he kills people in that movie but like that that feels yeah i could see a jason momoa Oh my gosh, who am I thinking? Oh, Jason Statham. I was like, like thinking of like badass guys. I could you, you could just see on like a bike. Because <laughs> yeah, like the thing, the thing that I would be at that point then, cons- you know, a, a concern, a little uh, afraid of, is coming off a little too um, male, you know, male aggression mm-hmm. in yeah. that role. And like that's again another line we'd have to we'd have to tread. Sure. But... Because it's, it's yeah. funny when, when Naven gets pushed around by a circus performer who's a woman. When a woman gets pushed around by a circus performer that's a guy, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you yeah you've now caused a lot of different. Or, or when like you know when there's a you know a somewhat aggressive sexual encounter, it's a lot different, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's maybe true. yeah, it was it was a really aggressive encounter too, which yeah that would definitely need to be changed yeah um, which is why it would you know which is why i say like if we you know if we propose gender flipping it then i think we have to go with you know somebody in the, the kate mckinnon sphere playing true to herself not true to character and you know actually having it be a non-heterosexual relationship yeah whole, or you make the situation person like a schlub who isn't aggressive and isn't pushy but is like super good at guilt tripping and and is you know, not a threat at all, but just kind of annoying and, and is always in the wrong place at the wrong time and that kind of thing. So you, you might yeah, be able to... come on, babe, come on, babe, kind of guy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Although I want to hear John Mulaney talking about his special purpose. I think that would be the entire movie for me. What? What is this? <laughs> I, I haven't commented at all on the John Mulaney thing because I don't think I've ever seen him do anything. So apparently that's a, a another gap in my... Ah, my comedy I mean, much yeah much, have you, much more of a stand-up at this point uh, yeah have you seen uh have you seen on netflix the show big mouth no the cartoon show um uh you probably haven't seen his sitcom on fox that only lasted, he was great like, in the, the sack launch bunch on netflix yeah that did one was really see, good here's jp here's one i've just never i haven't had the opportunity yeah did you see into the spider verse oh. oh yeah oh because oh. Spider, Spider come back Ham next month. Favorite, yeah, <laughs> Spider Ham might be my favorite character in that entire <laughs> film, which is great, and he does an astounding job. Um, but he's I will. The, ooh, I yeah. Sorry to pause to interrupt you right there, real quick. I will also point out they have a Spider Ham comic book right now. I read it in his voice. <laughs> oh my god! Dead serious because he's that good. I read it in his voice. But yeah, he's he's predominantly a stand-up. Um, you know, he's also a writer. Uh, he did write on SNL and has done some other stuff since then. But he's predominantly a stand-up uh, comic and very much in the Steve Martin style. Um, he just he just works like as a stand-up. He actually he did a, a I do not like Nick Kroll at all. 
but he did a, a show called Oh Hello with Nick mm-hmm. Kroll. Oh Hello on Broadway, which Broadway. Yeah, yeah, was astounding. Which he uh, uh, took from their uh, Nick Kroll's Kroll show, mm-hmm. um, where they were two characters on there, where they did this uh, bit called uh, Too Much Tuna. Yeah. But he's... I said, JP, I sent you a message in Facebook that has a link to, uh, you know, him on Google, which, I mean, I could have told you just Google him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's one of those people, like, like Dan said, with Into the Spider-Verse, when you hear him and you hear how he goes, it's funny because he's, you know, he's, he's 37. He is a young guy. He, with how he talks, he sounds so much older. Yeah, and all that. Like he talks, like with the stuff that he talks about, and you know, his delivery in stand-up comedy, he sounds like like you would have seen him coming out during the late '80s, early '90s with he how he delivers. Much, he very much sounds like a stand-up comic from the previous generation, like something yeah. like the Steve Martin generation. Um, I, it's very obvious a student of comedy. And a student of, you know, how, how stand-up works and how it's meant to work and, and the whole thing. And I think a lot of it is very much just, he's a very smart writer and he's studied a lot of it. And I think that's sort of the other thing that gave it to me is like, I feel like he could really, um, he could walk the line, right? Oh, if we're yes. If we're talking about keeping this true to the original, he could walk the line very well, in my opinion, between, oh no, that's just blatant racism. Or the other end of oh that's very funny and you had a there there's a razor's edge there well, and I, and I, like I think the kind of person who could walk it and, and I I think why you're saying that is because I mean and, you know Stefan out of this you know the past ten years I'll say on SNL has been one of my favorite characters and John Mulaney a lot of the times writes that stuff beforehand so Bill Hader you know, would have, and, and a lot of it is Bill Hader's delivery of Stefan, but he would, he would do some of the writing before they went live. So um, if, if you ever saw the Stefan character, it was during weekend update and he'd be like, New York's favorite club or New York's hottest club is Yowie or, you know, whatever it would be. And then he starts naming off all these things that sound like really obscure Pornhub searches. <laughs> like it has midgets and this and that and you know he granted he based it off of a character you know off of some him and bill Hader both based it off of people that they knew in new I, york but they rode that line and it was like and for not only late night tv but late night network tv you know where both of them knew how to get it to where it would make people laugh and people think that they were being edgy when really they just knew how to flirt that line so well. Same thing with um, his show on Netflix, Big Mouth. And I'm not meaning to turn this into an episode, into let's talk about John Mulaney. I feel like we've not talked about the movie. Yeah. But but this this ties in because this would be, I think, again, to pull off, uh, you know, to, to compliment what Dan is saying about why if this were ever to be remade, I could see John Mulaney writing this with, I don't want to say Kevin Hart because Kevin Hart has a completely different writing style, mm-hmm. but yeah. another, you know, another, oh gosh, I, and I can't think of anyone right now and I 
if I, yeah, if you if like you who, picked, I think, who would direct this comedian. now, yeah. Oh, and the directing Ooh. that's that's another, you know, entire thing, especially because like we don't have like right now in Hollywood, I, I can't pick Taika Waititi. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fuck I... me, that's right. Okay. <laughs> no, that's that well, I mean, did you see Jojo Rabbit? Like not yet. He can that, he can but... handle a he can handle a touchy subject that probably shouldn't get made into a movie and yeah yeah and he can do it and you know he has the benefit and i I hate like this this is where my having a business degree comes in he's a minority person and so he has he has the benefit of being able to stand up there and say like hey not a white guy making this movie oh well that's one of the brilliant things that he's he had in marketing about or in the marketing of jojo rabbit of people were saying it's a movie about hitler no and it's like think, think about it this way think if you, if you are hitler for a second who would you not want to have playing you in a movie a brown-skinned yeah. jewish guy a a a, a, a oh, i forget how they call it, a, a native new zealander mm-hmm. um like like he's uh he's part maori um new zealander who is also jewish mm-hmm. like that's Hitler's worst nightmare. Yeah. So okay. Not, not only have we recast the remake, we've also re uh, re chosen a director. Yes. Basically, what what we're doing is we're doing Oracle Media Productions as a movie studio. We're going to make this is going to be our first film. It's yeah. a oh, remake. we're going to build it. We're going to build the entire production. Yes. <laughs> our new director, Rob Reiner. No, yeah. he's seventy two. He'd probably still be out of touch. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing I think. And Rob Reiner has directed some of the all time greatest. I mean, Stand By Me and The Princess Bride are two of the greatest films ever made, oh. but um, not to mention This Is Spinal Tap, which uh, is an absolute uproarious send-up of, like, perfect uh, screenwriting. But if you don't... Yeah, it's you, you need somebody who's with it and a bit more in touch. Again, because we're asking them to handle a really potentially troublesome story. Yeah. I... Man, I had like it. I had an idea. Yeah, I had an idea as to on on another character, but and also I'll put out. I I do think Taika Waititi would be the better director, just because looking at the IMDb here for Rob Reiner, who who for people are going well, why Rob Reiner? One, he was in the Jerk. He had a small uncredited role, um, as truck driver picking up Naven. Wow. He's also Carl Reiner's son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I would honestly have to say I've loved this part here. <laughs> In all honesty, <laughs> I had someone. I think if you did the John Mulaney route, I th- I still think Margot Robbie in the uh, uh, Patty Bernstein is the character that you were referring to, Alice yeah, of the the biker. Um, I could see Margot Robbie in that. I also just want to see Margot Robbie in more movies because she's a better actress than some of her early work would yes. lead you to believe. Yes. To think, I uh, can't think of the name of that TV show that was on ABC that she was on right before she broke big in uh, Wolf with Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, but she Neighbors? was in the, no Neighbors is the Australian show that she was in. Right. Uh, oh yeah, I forget. Oh, she was on Pan Am. Yeah, Pan Am. She oh. was on Pan Am, like <laughs> right before as, the show. Yeah, a show that I remember talking about and being like, "Wow, this is everyone looks the same." And then, you know, that it got canceled. And oh, who do you think who would be the person to make break big? 
a person in there, a character in there that you're like, eh, well, well, granted that show was garbage. I was very bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, I, you, I wouldn't have thought she would have been the breakout star. So let's, let's get on to the ratings here. How would you rate? You have from $0 to $10 to rate. This is just straight up rating system. How much would you pay to see this movie in the theater today? I don't know. It just, as I was saying before, that it kind of felt like this SNL movie, which doesn't usually pan out that well. Um, you know, I mean, I think the writing was excellent. I think for me, it wasn't necessarily laugh out loud comedy. And I was so excited to, to see this movie for the first time as well. Um, I'd barely heard about it, but I was, I was, I was excited kind of just as a comedian myself to really see this see the genius of steve martin and i was i was a bit disappointed i would say six dollars all right uh dan what about you if you'd asked me before rewatching it i probably would have said 750 or eight bucks uh gonna have to knock that down like an entire dollar to 650 because i like definitely have a rose-colored glasses of childhood view on this movie and rewatching it was probably a mistake (laughs) definitely knocked down how much I loved it by enough that it mattered. How? Well, what changed for you? Uh, mostly just, again, the realization of how kind of problematic a lot of it was and, and being confronted with that sort of face-to-face instead of, like, thinking about it ideologically just made me sort of realize, like, oof, this is some some difficult shit. But it does still make me laugh. And I'm also pretty harsh with my ratings. Like, I the, the stuff I love gets really high ratings and the yeah. stuff I don't love gets really low ratings. So to have a mid-grade rating for me is pretty uncommon too, but I think it's yeah. probably like a 6.5 or a 7. Shithead gets a 10, though. That was my favorite character, for sure. Just naming the I wanted him around the whole time. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. All right, uh, JP? Yeah, um, so it's funny you ask how much I, I, I'd be willing to pay for it. I Initially, I wasn't sure where I was going to watch this movie, so you know, the weekend before... Um, we were going to record. I started looking on streaming services to see where I could rent it. And then I just got lucky that one of the channels I have on TV was playing it. And so I recorded it on my DVR and I watched it for free. All that to say, if I had paid, you know, seven or eight bucks for it, I probably would have been a little disappointed. You know, it wasn't a horrible movie, but um, and I, keep, I did have keep in, keep in mind this rating here. We're implying that you're going to the theaters. You're going, right. you know, it's going to be on the big screen. You're going to be able to get the popcorn, not included in the rating. You're gonna get your your candy, also not included in the rating. Um, so we're, we're talking that route because I mean, I'm, I'll I'll cut you off here and also add that I too had to do that for a lot of the movies. I actually did a week uh, subscription to Cinemax. No, sorry, not Cinemax Stars, where it, which had it going on there, which is mm. probably where you recorded. Yeah, might have been. So adding the whole theater element to it as well, because I'm I'm kind of cheap and, and not flush with cash all the time, like it really has to be an event movie to drag me out to the theater. Uh, you know, like 1917 is something I'd probably enjoy seeing on a really big screen, um, but kind of a goofy comedy. I'm, I'm saving that for home or for on demand, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so I don't know that that changes my rating uh, or my, my dollar uh, figure much, but I'd say... Um, five fifty is kind of where I'm at with uh, where I feel like it wouldn't be too much or too little to pay for it. All right, and I think so. Right, if if I look at 
where we're at right now, we are averaging about six dollars between the the three of you. I, it's funny because to give you guys uh, and the listeners at home where I was at while I was watching this, and also probably something I shouldn't say if my bosses end up watching this, but I was actually at work watching this, uh, um, sitting in my car because I was all done, but still on the clock. Um, and I watched the first half ish of the movie, uh, through Amazon prime doing the, like, you know, subscribe to Cinemax for a week trial or sorry, stars. Uh, the other movie I'm doing coming up is fight club. And I had to watch that through Cinemax. That's why I'm getting confused. So I was watching it there. And at first it was, my rating would have been really low. It would have been like, you know, three, $4 because I'm like, Oh, this doesn't age well at all. But then as I was watching it, I started laughing more and more. So I would honestly say, and this is weird, I'm, I think I'm giving it the highest rating. I think I'm probably going to give it a seven. You know, seven, I would probably go pay $7 at the movies, you know, if this was, you know, to go watch it, which I think brings us up to like six twenty five ish on our average. But only because realizing, you know, taking myself out of it, that I think that was the part that I had to do of oh, it wouldn't get made today, and there would be all these controversies and, you know, all that stuff. It's like, well, yeah, but if you look at Wayne's World or Wayne's World 2. Oh, what an awful movie, Wayne's World. (laughs) Or, oh, oh, that hurts me. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Or, um, you know, a lot of these movies that, uh, you know, that either Lorne Michaels is a producer on um, you know, to get the SNL connection with his Broadway video pr- uh, production company, or you know, even just branching out of that with uh, you know, other people with who were on SNL had made movies. You know, like Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore does not age well at all, mm. and and uh, but it's and it might be for different reasons, but still, it is that is the case. So it's like I look at this and be like. Put put yourself put yourself ten years before you were born, <laughs> and, and for myself, anyways, um, you know, put yourself back in 1979. This is the height of Steve Martin's comedy, you know, from his stand-up stuff to Saturday Night Live. I would pay I would pay big money to go see this because I'm such an, a lover of comedy, and you know, and have that respect. And I wouldn't have gotten offended, you know, I wouldn't have, you know. Looking at it now, there are some things that we would that would have changed. You know, Steve Martin wouldn't say the N word in there, even though it does fit with what he's with how he's talking. But I mean, it wouldn't be one of these things that I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't know. I I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I'm gonna leave it at that. But yeah, but like or like jokes about Asian people eating animals, or you know, it's like oh god, no, back away from that. <laughs> Yes, I mean, there, there's again, you know, in in our remake that we've pretty much fully cast and <laughs> you know we've had uh, you know offered some who would be writing it and who would direct it and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, there's things that would get cut out. Um, you know, that being one, you know, the the even though it is a classic scene of, hey, someone shooting the oil cans, because you know, I I I immediately had that thought, you know, like, oh wow, if this was if this was what four or five years ago when the uh or however long ago it was when the uh the DC shootings were happening where it was just a dude 
you could almost say it was a guy picking a name out of a phone book, finding where they're at, and then you know, yeah, pulling the trigger. Really? Yeah, because I'm like, we have so many shooting shoot shoot 'em up movies now. I wouldn't think that it would be any different. What's the difference of Pete Davidson being the shooter? No, (laughs) no, I think it's the difference of like a lot of the shoot 'em up action movies are you know a lot of them portray either terrorists or professional hitmen or or you know something yeah. like that and this is literally just a spree killer and in light of the uh the beltway sniper the dc shooter the um the las vegas incident from a few years ago not to mention all of the school shootings and uh other you know public space shootings that we've had that mm. you, you just you just can't that's yeah. there's a lot less funny there to be mine yeah yeah, there's because there's a lot less, as you point out, funny to be mine, JP. But also, there's a lot more real fear that people live with on a daily basis. Right. You know, especially if yeah, you yeah. if you live near a major metropolitan area where these things sort of happen more than they do in the burbs. Yeah. Or even like race swapping, and that you know, black men being being shot down. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Randomly, yeah. Yeah, let's let's have somebody shoot at a black a young black man you know like that's that's troubling as well also if some if anyone ever takes that comment out of context and tries to smear me with it i may get in a lot of trouble but it's you know it, it is definitely a problem so i think that just about wraps it up unless anyone has anything else that they want to add. i was just gonna say it, it's funny the the fact that this does feel like an SNL movie, I, I guess probably because this is around the time when Steve Martin was of that age and uh, doing stuff yeah, on SNL. This was, uh, I'm going to double check real quick, but I believe he was at, in the in midst, if not the end of his SNL career. Well, no, because he was never actually a cast member in SNL. He was no? just, no, he was never a cast member in SNL. He was... Uh, a performer who would come in and guest all the time, and he hosted the mm. show fifteen times. But he he was a stand up comedian who worked with a lot of those people, and so they and he was really popular. Like whenever he was on the show, viewership would go through the roof. So they'd bring him back whenever. But he never. I don't. I don't know if they ever offered to let him join the show or have him join the show. But he was just a guest during those first five seasons, a bunch, and he's hosted it a bunch of times since. Oh, so basically you're saying he's like uh John Alan Goodman what like John Goodman was in the uh 80s and 90s. Or Alec or, Baldwin, or, or Alec Baldwin, yeah, yeah. The entire Alec Baldwin's the only person who's hosted SNL more times than Steve Martin has. Steve Martin's hosted it 15 times, Baldwin's hosted it 17. That's weird. That's sort of like one of those Mandela effects. Like I could have swore Steve Martin was in SNL. And, well, and, and that's because he was he over the first five years, he made like 20 some appearances. And yeah. there, there were episodes where he was in more sketches than some of the cast members. I, I was going to say the other thing that made me think of SNL tied into this was it kind of had a little bit of like the feel of Blues Brothers, which I haven't seen in a long time, but I, I kind of seemed to exist in, in a similar universe. And so, yeah, I could definitely uh, see that connection. But obviously, we, we've confirmed that Lauren Michaels had nothing to do with it. It was just kind of that. Uh, in the back of my mind, I was getting a little bit of that vibe. But with all that being said, and the education of Steve Martin not being a cast member, um, JP, where can people find you? Oh, well, I have, a, as you mentioned earlier, a podcast called Junk Foodies, 
um, just like it sounds. And you can find me at Facebook or Twitter at Junk Foodies Pod. Um, or if someone wants to send me an email with a show idea or if they'd like to be a guest on the show, I'm always looking. Uh, my email address is junkfoodiespod at gmail.com. And to educate them as to what the show, because I, I don't, I part of me is playing dumb, but I'm also really curious because as a dude who hosts a other podcast that has a really weird name, not that yeah. it's a weird name, is this straight up you review junk food? That's a part of it. Um, okay. Basically, each episode will have a theme and uh, we'll take a beverage, a savory snack, and a sweet snack. We will taste and review them during the show. And then we'll also have a, a list of questions I ask my guests um, about specific food memories they might have, things they like, things they don't like. So it's a conversation about food in general. And then we kind of uh, intertwine the conversation we're having about food with these tastings and these reviews. And so I've done uh, shows with all gluten-free foods. I've done shows with all foods that are green, um, nut-free, full of nuts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so yeah. I have a little fun with it. I throw a little trivia in there in the middle and we play some games and yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Dan, where can people find you? www.superliminalfilms.com anywhere you can find the word superliminal and films next to one another on the internet you'll hear me you'll see me you'll learn to love me <laughs> uh miss alice where can people find you yeah um you can find me on twitter at alimezh a-l-i-m-e-z-h um you can see all my my podcast appearances i've been nicknamed the podcast socialite which is really cool. And then my Facebook is Alice Lauren, Alice, and then L-A-U-R-E-N. Um, but make sure that you message me before you <laughs> request me so I just know where you heard me, and then we can chat. Awesome. And you can find me as the host here and a couple other places that get mentioned here at the end of the plug. But you can fi mainly find me uh, at that Gregor on the social networks, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram all that stuff there that will do it for us uh don't forget to rate or subscribe rate and review that helps us out that helps share the show uh so more people can find this uh because again this is a a love that we have for movies and this isn't i hope as you could see by the movies that we've or the episodes that we've done we don't mean this in a harmful way it's it's literally just hey why did this how did this skip your this movie skipped your wheelhouse here. You seem like you love comedy. Why haven't you seen this? Or whatever. So we mean it all in good fun. And you can also email us at oraclepodcasts at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash now you've seen it with no apostrophes or spacings because it's the internet. Um, don't forget to check this out or check out this and other wonderful podcasts at oraclepodcasts.com. Our theme music is performed by the wonderful Eric Hunt. Um, and we want to thank you. We want to give a big thank you to our broadcasting partners over at Age of Radio. You can find them at ageofradio.org and my other home. I split. It's it's. I feel like a kid who has split custody here. Uh, Galactic Netcast. Uh, they're the the place where you can find my other stuff and other great stuff. They're hosting us here right now over at gncast.org or dot com. Sorry, that's gncasts.com. Final thing to be said is bye. Happy National Pizza Day. <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye. 
Now You've Seen It is a production of Oracle Media Productions in association with Age of Radio and Galactic Netcasts. For more great podcasts, visit oraclepodcasts.com, ageofradio.org, and gncasts.com.